Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. All right, y'all. We are going back to our roots with a Midwest 2020 mini tour. Oh, oh, I can't wait. Thank goodness. Corn-fed entertainment. Tater tot hot dish. Mm, hot dish 2020. We are going to be in Indianapolis on March 18th, Chicago on the 19th, and the Twin Cities, a.k.a. Minneapolis, St. Paul. Ever heard of it? On Saturday, March 21st. Got some more dates. Amanda, what else do we have? From there, we're going to be going to St. Louis on March 23rd and Kansas City, Missouri, Trump, <laughs> on March 24th. Tickets can be found at our website, wineandcrimepodcast.com. So keep your eye out, get those trigger fingers ready, mm-hmm. and buy them before they sell out, baby. Yes, please. We can't wait to see you all. See you in March. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah, we do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm Kenyon. Ooh, I'm Lucy. Hello, I'm Amanda. Oh, hi. Yeah. Oh, 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 golly oh, gee, welcome. <laughs> Help yourself to some coffee and bars. <laughs> some jello salad. You tape yeah. over my stories. <laughs> oh, wait. And you these tape are your the shows days over of our it. Lives. <laughs> like sands through the hourglass. Hourglass. I love okay. the days of our lives. Um, <laughs> this week's episode. Um, has Lucy all Twitter painted? Yeah, Lucy's really excited for this one. I thought it was going to be tough for her, but apparently she pulled it out. Um, anything having to do slightly with decomposition or forensics, I am on board. Yes. That is true. Love so it. this week's topic is shallow graves. Mm. Yes. Yes, it has it become a cliche in the true crime world, mm-hmm. um, you know, found buried in a shallow grave. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's the tenuous link between our cases this week. Yeah, definitely, definitely just Googled shallow graves or people found in shallow graves and found like the most interesting case where it was just anecdotal that they were found in a yep. shallow grave. Same. <laughs> I sort of fudged Same here. the assignment. One line of mine is like, and found in shallow grave. Same. Oh my God. Same. <laughs> well, my research has a lot to do with <laughs> Good. shallow At least you graves. Did it right. So it'll and balance just out. Like, this is interesting. Let's just pretend they were found in a shallow grave since this works for this episode. Be like, oops, I thought that. As a footnote. Um, <laughs> and they okay. were found in a shallow grave. Yeah. Before we get, move on you, to our book. wine crime pairing, which I think uh-huh. is really spot on this week, for we have sure. a couple butt plugs. So yes. I'll take the first one. Um, we announced it last episode, but just one more time, we've got brand new uh, tote bags oh, on they're so uh, cute, the online guys. store. They're really cute. And they they're like nice so and cute. deep. They There's came nothing in the mail. worse than a shallow tote. 
Yeah. They came in the mail yesterday, and I sent these guys a photo. And yeah, you're right. They're nice and deep. They kind mm-hmm. of flatten out just a little bit at the bottom. Mm-hmm. So if you have like books and whatever, it's it's perfect. They're thin, but they're not cheap thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're still nice and canvassy. They're so nice. I and have got- been actually trying to use tote bags more for my grocery shopping instead of like mm-hmm. getting bags every fucking time I go to the grocery store. Yeah. And I, this little baby is perfect for doing a quick shop for like one or two people. Yeah. It fits the perfect amount of stuff for like getting a couple days of meals worth. It's so good. I also or measured like storing it fits, a murder kit. It fits exactly. three bottles of wine very perfectly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're really she cute, checked. and they've got a cute, the same cute detail that's on the wrist of the fucking patriarchy sweatshirts, which mm-hmm. Amanda drew. Thanks, so all you Amanda fans out there, this is how you can have a little piece of Amanda for fifteen bucks. I've also infused locks of my hair in every one of our tote bags. And excuse you, I drew the wine glass. It was a joint effort. You did. You did draw the wine glass and I traced it. I drew the knife. I'm trying to sell here, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one wants my wine glass. (laughs) Lucy drew everything else on our online store. Yeah, she is the artiste of the crew. Okay, that's the tote bags. Who wants to take the next one? Amanda. Me, I will. So as you all know, we are going to be at CrimeCon the weekend of May 4th, 5th, and 6th. On Saturday the 5th at 8.30 p.m., we're going to be doing a meetup at the Valentine in Nashville. It's a bar. There's, as far as I know, there's no like cover to get in. We're not like booking a space or whatever. It's It's free. Yeah, come to this bar. Yeah, come to this Cash bar, meetup. get a cocktail. Um, we've been reaching out to some other podcasters that are going to be at CrimeCon, and uh, it sounds like some really fun people are going to be joining us. Uh, True Crime Obsessed is going to be there. Um, was it Nothing Rhymes with Murder? or uh, No, no um, shit. it's about damn crime. It's about damn crime. They're going to be there. There's some other folks that we're waiting to hear back from. So it's going to be really fun. We're just going to be hanging out, meeting some people. Um, it sounds like some other podcasters who are not... Crime podcasters might be in town. It sounds like Josh Hallmark is going to be around from our Americana yes. playlist and the Karen and Ellen letters. It sounds like Stephen Pappas is going to be around yes. from Is This Adulting? Um, we absolutely love, admire, and adore all of these awesome people that are going to be there. And this is just an opportunity for all of us to get together and be casual and have fun and fangirl with each other. So and Saturday, it's free. it's free. Yeah. So Saturday, the Valentine, the, the 5th, 8.30 p.m., we're going to hang out. Um, they have like a second floor and a rooftop that open at nine. So we're basically just planning it so that we're there around 830, get our first drinks, uh, crowd the door to take over those spaces <laughs> and just push our way through and alienate everybody else that's in that bar. Just trying Shove to have a nice the time plebeians on a aside. Yep. Just scream about John Wayne Gacy really If you're loudly. not here to talk about murderous clowns, <laughs> you need to go. That get will be out. the night that we should wear our dirndls so nobody Doi. else talks to us. Yeah, we're yeah. going to alienate the general public. Check. It's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Cool. So be there. Please. All right. We love you. Lucy, Please cool. be there. Also be, maybe, <laughs> in Des Moines mm-hmm. on Monday, May 7th, where Kenyon and I will first be giving a little seminar on podcasting 101 I that has yet to be finalized. I will technically be helping with that via the internet. Oh, yeah. Amanda will, will be uh, Skyping her in. in. Mm-hmm. 
disembodied voice. So we'll be giving a presentation on uh, things that you didn't know about podcasting, how to get started, how we like leverage our personal brand with it. And we are uh, doing this as a partnership with a company called Brand Launch, which is out of Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will have more information on that if you're interested in purchasing a ticket to the seminar. But more importantly, after the seminar, Kenyon mm-hmm. and I will be hosting a free wine and crime meetup at a... What I think at a wine bar, like location. Yeah, we'll they'll let have you wine. know. They'll have DVD. Wine. so many options, but it'll be in around 7 p.m. on Monday the seventh in Des Moines. Be there. Somewhere. It would be so great to just see everyone have some fun. We will be still high from Nashville, maybe oh, yeah. literally. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. Our fake tans will not have faded yet. Mine will have. Yeah, my manicure will be chipped because of my nerves that whole weekend, but it'll be so nice to be back in Des Moines and meet everyone, and yeah, plan on being there. It'll be great. Okay. We've got a lot coming up. That first weekend of May is so cray, 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 cray. It's going to be great. Crazy, y'all. It's going to be great. Uh, Great. Wine crime pairing for Shallow Graves. Yes, we've paired this episode with Restless Earth Cabernet Sauvignon. From Ooh. Wink Wine Club felt like a pretty obvious mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. You have to <laughs> all that shift up. in dirt. Yeah, we'll get to that better. in my segment. Yeah, and if the grave is shallow and the earth is restless, it's probably going to reveal some bones, mm-hmm. a corpse, a corpse, some soft um, tissue, etc. Yeah. This is a Wink Wine Club exclusive bottle, just like every bottle from Wink Wine Club, which is an mm. online wine club. Uh, you hear us talk about wink every week and that's because we friggin love it so if you head over to trywink.com forward slash gals that's t-r-y-w-i-n-c dot com forward slash g-a-l-s if it's your first time landing on that page they're going to prompt you to take a little quiz to see what flavors are best for you and they're going to make suggestions for you based off of that little quiz if you don't want to go with their suggestions or it's your millionth time going to the website like me you just scream fuck you yeah no just kidding (laughs) siri fuck you Um, jesus no you just go to their collection of wines and scroll through it you can add to your cart accordingly the wines usually uh sit at about a 13 dollar a bottle price point which is very much wine and crime approved Mm -hmm. uh some are a little higher some are a little lower depending on the vintage and kind of what they're going for there's some really cool like really beautiful fancy bottles on the list as well. Um, rose and cans, like they're all over the place. Anything yeah. that you could possibly want, they likely have it on their website. They're eclectic. It's awesome. Yeah. And if it is your first time checking it out, that forward slash gals uh, exclusive URL code type magic internet thing uh, mm-hmm. gets you 20 bucks off your first box. So you can go ahead and put you know, I'd say four to five bottles in your box is kind of perfect. Once mm-hmm. you get over four bottles in that cart, they take care of the shipping. So everything just goes right to your house or your local Walgreens or wherever you want to pick it up. You do have to be 21 to play. Some states do not support it, but then you should just move. Just move mm-hmm. to Minnesota. It's worth it. My neighbor. Just move. Never leave your house again. Hang out with Wink. Bye, Kentucky. Bye-bye. Yep. Trywink.com mm-hmm. forward Utah. Podcast. So, also, you can drink along with the show. So we announce every month the four upcoming Wink bottles that we are going to be drinking. Yep. Um, we announce that on our website and online, on social media. So if you want to drink along with the show, you can do that with Wink. Yeah, you can like make a wine and crime box. Every Basket. Yeah. Super fun. 
Uh, this particular bottle, the Restless Earth Cabernet Sauvignon, is a big, full-bodied cab. Woo! This is yes. like the cab to end all cabs. It's jammy. It's tannic. It's aged for an entire year on French oak to smooth out the sort of tannic acidity. Mm. Um, this Cabernet is not for the faint of heart. This is like, if you like big, robust red wine, this mm. is your bottle. If you're a Pinot Noir person, this might not be your favorite. Mm. So just a, just heed that warning. But I'm all mm. about branching out and trying new flavors, and this wine is badass. So I would check it out. Um, we've talked a lot about Cabernet, so I don't really want to go into grape facts today. I want to talk about barrel aging Ooh. and kind of the history of that. So before there were glass bottles, like any time before the 1600s, most wines were stored and also sold in wooden barrels. So oh. if you take a look at paintings from around this time period, like before 1600, you're going to see in a lot of like party scenes, <laughs> wooden barrels that are Lots just of barrels. strewn about. A lot about. of their Snapchats yeah, and selfies. Yeah, a lot of s- Snapchats before 1600s had a lot of barrels featured in them. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So we've kind of outgrown the necessity for barrels to store and transport wine, obviously, but we've acquired a taste for it overall this time. So now oak barrels are an integral part of modern winemaking just because of the previous like necessary portion of it. Now it's just like tradition and custom. So oak offers three major contributions to wine. Obviously it adds flavor compounds. So a lot of those aromas of vanilla, clove, smokiness, coconut, like Mm. those very semi-sweet, semi-savory flavors are typically coming from the oak that it's stored in. Um, it also allows a slow entry, like indoctrination of oxygen into the wine, which mm-hmm. is part of the, I mean, obviously part of the fermentation process, but it makes the wine taste smoother and less astringent when you have a little bit of a slow incorporation of oxygen throughout the process. You don't want to nice. over-oxygenate it. You also don't want to like necessarily completely seal it off from oxygen. So okay. when compared um, with the stainless steel white wines that we've mm-hmm. talked about, those are non-porous and therefore more... Correct. So you're going to get a much sharper, more acidic flavor, flavor. profile. Some mm-hmm. of that has to do with the lack of oxygen during the aging process, and some of it has to do with the fact that stainless steel just does not give off any flavor. So it maintains mm-hmm. a little bit of the purity of the grape. The, the grape is not going to be influenced by what it's aged in. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third one is that it provides a suitable environment for certain metabolic reactions to occur, specifically malolactic fermentation, which I think we've touched on before, but, uh, that is the fermentation process that contributes to like the creaminess of a wine. So I think when we talked about Chardonnay, we talked about malolactic fermentation. That is a big Mm. part of that, like creamy mouthfeel and some of those buttery tastes of Chardonnay. I so, like a creamy red. I do not like a creamy white. Mm-hmm. Every taste is different. Yeah. Another thing that I thought was interesting is that uh, in the beer world, um, brewing with flavor additives for taste is pretty common. Like you'll find a lot of beers that are brewed with vanilla bean or orange peel, um, mm-hmm. coconut, you know, coffee, like things like that to to switch up how a beer is going to taste. But mm-hmm. that's actually not allowed in wine production, or it wouldn't be considered, like, wine. So oh, does it make you, it, like, some kind of 
grape cider or I like mean, a port. I, yeah, I guess. I don't I don't really know. I didn't dive too deep into that, but it's like mm. it's not a traditional wine if you're if you're dumping in a flavor additive. Mm. So oak has become the accepted way to affect the taste of wine. So when added to wine, oak flavors combine with the wine flavors to create a wide variety of new potential flavors. And changing up the barrel that you age the wine in will change up the flavor profile. So if you so use if different I types of wood. Dunk an oak barrel in like a vat of elderflower mm-hmm. juice and then <laughs> use it to store wine. I think that counts. Honestly, okay. I think how you treat the wood before use for aging is fine but actually taking like orange peel and putting it in you know a muscat to make like an orangey muscat that's Mm -hmm. that would have to be classified as something different or you'd have to call it like a wine cocktail or something i don't know yeah exactly so i thought that was really interesting (laughs) but anyway let's uh pop this bad boy and get an idea of that French oak magic, my mm-hmm. babies. I am inserting my nice pop wine key into Inserting it. And soon and the creaminess will flow out. out. Ick. I'm leveraging it. I'm going to pop it. Screw it in. Ew. Daddy, here we go. Okay, stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready? Yeah. Ooh, such so good. a fucking nice pop. Nice. Your pops are so nice. I'm a wine ecologist. I give a nice pap. All right. Well, <laughs> guys, this wine is like. Took me a second. Black. That was really good. It's uh, so dark. I love it. Um, is it La, What is our background in psych for shallow graves? Oh, this is a good cap. <laughs> Sorry, I'll shut up now. <laughs> okay, you guys. I'm excited. Okay. Well, a lot of a lot of this we've talked about before. We've talked about general decomposition in our stashed bods episode. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep so I'm not going to yep. go too far into that because we've covered it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get it. Get it, like covered it with some dirt and walked uh-huh. away. And we have delved grave. deep into <laughs> decomposition. Uh-huh. This is a more shallow dive. So now let me give you the dirt on shallow graves. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So a shallow grave typically refers to a hasty burial, perhaps mm-hmm. in the form of a mass grave. Mm. Mm. I thought that was sort of interesting. Um, so in in looking, in researching like specifically shallow graves, I went down the rabbit hole, so to speak, of a to- <laughs> the topic of forensic archaeology. Don't talk Ooh. about rabbits because all I'm going to want to do is go grab Albus and hold him through this entire thing. It's He'll okay, Albus. I love him. Um, so forensic archaeology. That's what most of my segment is about because it's fucking cool. Um, so this is the application of standard archaeological techniques modified for crime scene processing when a buried body, skeleton, or remains are either found or suspected. Mm-hmm. Okay. So police departments are starting to catch on that excavating a grave using backhoes, for example, is mm. not the smartest way to study graves no. from a forensic standpoint. And it they're is starting... really good at destroying evidence, though. It's really yeah, good it at is. that. 
Yeah. Well, as we all remember from that scene in Making a Murderer when they're digging up the fire site like idiots with like big machinery. Yeah, we need to like, invest in a backhoe oh, for oh, future oh. Yeah. projects. Gotta have. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, I have a backhoe story. <laughs> yes. And a shallow grave story. Oh, so What? What? <laughs> okay, just listen. So okay. My uncle is or was like a general contractor, so he had a bobcat at his house, like on his property. I know this okay. story. I love this story. Go on. <laughs> oh my god. And my aunt had horses. She loves her horses. I think she had like two at the time. One of them was pretty old. Uh, it died. And my aunt was, I think she was out of town, but my uncle decided to just take care of it before she got home because she would oh be god. really upset. If she had to deal with it. So he dug a hole with his bobcat that he thought was deep enough. Okay. (laughs) For a horse. Went and picked up went and picked up the horse that had gone through Migger Hortis. (laughs) Drop the horse. So dumb. Drop the horse in the hole, but because it was super stiff. And it happened to land on its back. Its like legs were sticking up out of the oh, hole. No! Oh, and it was no. not deep enough, y'all. Not it a wasn't deep enough. Deep enough. Oh. But he kind of. I think. I think he assumed the legs would like you know crumple, fold or something. Fold. Oh, no. My fucking Rigor god. Horstis they didn't. So <laughs> he. At that point, what do you do? There's already a horse in the hole. So he. Yeah. How do you get it out? Yeah. Yeah. So he just used the bucket on the bobcat to just like. Kind of smash the legs down. Oh my! We're really sorry, God. horse people. We're really oh, Shel- oh, Shelby. Oh, oh. It was, it was Shelby, <laughs> Shelby, we know I'm you're really listening, sorry. and we Shelby, love you. Shelby, we're so sorry, but, but this is a mess. And then he, so then he like kind of crushed him down enough that he could fill it. And I don't think my aunt knows about this, so I also don't think I she listens listening. to this show. So <laughs> sorry, you know who you are. I'm so sorry. Just a um, good lesson, good reminder, measure twice. <laughs> dig once. <laughs> measure mm-hmm. twice, dig once. <laughs> when disposing of yeah. your beloved family horse. Horse, corpse. Corpse. <laughs> <laughs> your horse. Well, honestly, when disposing of anybody, especially if yeah. it's a secret. <laughs> yep. Oh, there my God, I love you that just, story. You just don't want to take. Uh, okay. I forgot that was your family. I just remember that story. I of thought I read it online. It was my I forgot family. it was your family. <laughs> I just have so many terrifying images of like a shocked and afraid man crunching horse legs <laughs> under the bucket of a backhoe. Desperately watch. Yes. Desperately trying to conceal it before his like grieving wife gets home. I mean, this is my dad's like, brother, what? so like, if that explains yeah, the disassociation lot. that was probably involved, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a lot. <laughs> the emotional mm-hmm. distance. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. So, related disciplines that go along with studying graves. Uh, mm-hmm. I learned a new word: taphonomy. That's T A P H O N O M Y. That is the branch of paleontology that deals with the process of fossilization. So let's all remember, because due to all of the times I've seen Jurassic Park, I get paleontology and archaeology mixed up. (laughs) 
Wow! So, archaeology is the excavation, and paleontology is the study of the fossils. Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Yep. Yep. Okay. <laughs> For the three people over the age of ten who didn't know that. For five dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, which one was Jeff Goldblum? Oh, uh, I don't he's know, a- but he's got a key to my heart. Wasn't he neither? He's like a leather jacket salesman in that movie. <laughs> who, who was Laura Dern? Uh, Laura Dern is a, a, a archaeologist. See? See? She did. We can't remember characters' jobs in a movie is different than not knowing Knowing the, the difference. Science. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I thanks, relate Kenyon. everything to Jurassic Park and Laura Dern in general. So, yes, it's confusing. And... If you still haven't answered my question, which one she is. Mm. She's blonde. Okay. So (laughs) digging up and identifying a body from a grave frequently also requires pathologists, botanists, Mm. and entomologists Mm -hmm. who study bugs, Mm -hmm. uh, which we've also talked about before. Archaeology consists of two basic principles, stratigraphy, which is the formation and accumulation of layers, Oh, and okay. Sup- and superposition, which is the assumption that lower layers contain the oldest evidence. So mm-hmm. these two oh. things in tandem are the basic principles of archaeology. Okay. Things that, things that can affect the stratigraphy could be wind and water erosion mm. and plant-human-animal activity. Mm-hmm. So all of this. So, so everything. Great- a fucking yeah. <laughs> strong breeze can fuck with this shit. Yeah, that's why it's such a it's such a unique discipline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll go. We'll talk about some variables that just make everything even more fucking confusing. Uh, so, given how hard it is, or it it is to locate a buried a buried body in general, graves are often discovered accidentally, such as in a construction site. Or just people, like, kind of stumbling across some bones poking up or something like that. Yup. Applicable to my case. Mm Oh. It's like how they were building that, like, parking lot somewhere in England, and all of a sudden they were like, oh, my God, I think uh, this is Richard I. That happens all of the time. Isn't that fucking crazy? Well, Mm -hmm. I'll get into a little more of that in a minute. good. Um, so the older the grave, the harder it is to identify surface markers that indicate a burial. Um, oh, for, for sure, an- yeah. Like if if grass has if it's been long enough, like yeah, you'd never know something was down there. Right. Forensic archaeologists might also be involved in cases where a deceased person's relatives claim that a grave has been disturbed, perhaps by moving the cemetery, which happens all the time. Also. Yeah. And it's happening more and more now as we're, like, losing surface area to bury people in. Like, guys, consider being cremated because we're running Mm -hmm. out of room. Definitely Mm -hmm. be cremated. But only after a thorough autopsy. uh, uh, (laughs) Cemeteries cemeteries a long time ago before there were, like, uh, embalming processes, they had to be on, like, the outskirts of towns. So now as cities and towns are expanding and the suburbs are expanding, they're relocating a, a lot of cemeteries. Mm. And I did some research on how they do it. Depending on how old the cemetery is, 
they the caskets for one thing could be completely decomposed so it yeah. would just be like a little pile of of bones, bones. mush and bones yeah what? like maybe some clothes <laughs> or jewelry so they put all that into a little box like a a frequent sized box that they use to move remains from cemeteries are two feet long by one feet high so okay. like that's that's where you're that's what standard remains fit into which yeah. I thought was just really interesting um, ugh. Ugh. they could all you could also have to move graves due to flooding uh-huh yeah um, so that, yeah. live downhill from a cemetery no. <laughs> we've Phil. talked about this corpse water mm-hmm. corpse water mm-hmm. uh, but the thing is uh, if it's like supernatural flooding um, the newer a grave is, the more uh, susceptible it is to damage because if it's an older grave, then the soil on top of it is more compacted, so the water will flow over that compacted soil. Oh, okay, but if, that makes but sense. If it's, but if it's newer, then it's possible that not only could water get underneath the casket, but it could push it up and out of the ground. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, I bet that... Does that happen more in, like... Um, lower elevation places like in New Orleans versus like I oh, know I that it was a Denver. major deal in New Orleans after Katrina after Katrina it was mm-hmm. a huge problem god uh, is I it wrong that I would really like to see a time lapse <laughs> of that happening of like just I know that's fucked up floating. just <laughs> rising up out of the ground like that would be fucking well, oh, in New God. Orleans, don't they bury their bud? They bury people above the ground anyway. In now like they do, but things. I don't know yeah. how no, long they they've did. been doing that. It was like mm. a Creole. It was like a thing. It was a custom. Okay. Okay. Not everyone, I'm sure, but a lot of mm-hmm. them. Okay, moving on. How to locate graves? If yes. you're curious. I like these how-tos that you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so helpful. My best You're like practices. a BuzzFeed list. <laughs> Ten ways to find a grave. <laughs> oh my god, we should start our own BuzzFeed channel. <laughs> well, a lot of this really hit home for me because we had to replace our water line last summer. So what I'm talking about, like, soil compression, like, it's absolutely true. I talked to the contractor about it. It's a real thing. I have, like, a bloated spot in my front yard because of it. You do. <gasps> What's buried there? My dad calls it the baby grave, which, <gasps> you know. No! It's Sean! Just the, it's the what? I told you, emotional disassociation. That's, he, like, yeah. my He's family. That's insane. my legacy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The, the soil will often compact over the space where the hole was dug, so there mm. may be a con... Like, over time. So there may be a concave area over the grave... Mm-hmm. Um, okay. This may also mm-hmm. happen because of the decomposition of the body itself. So, the soil like gases, will compact like pockets. No, the soil will compact down over time just as it settles. So you're already oh. going to get a divot there. But when the body, assuming it's not in a container of any kind, once the chest cavity caves in and all of the liquid is completely out of the body, then you get an even bigger divot on the surface soil because it oh, fills God. in even more. Oh, God, that is specific. Yeah. So, yeah. So, best practices, when burying a body outside Mm. of a container, mound the dirt up on top of the grave so that it evens out with the surrounding soil over time. Smart. 
smart. That's what they did with my water line. So I've got a little mm. mound I'm waiting for it to even out. Okay. Little baby grave. Look for disturbed <laughs> vegetation. So when you dig a hole, so imagine like you're, you're shoveling, you're digging a hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, you throw up that excavated soil, and mm-hmm. they call that upcast. And that upcast kind of gets distributed in the surrounding areas around the hole. So that's something to look for. And there, there may be no vegetation over the grave just because the soil was so disturbed. But if it's a shallow enough grave, the decomposing body might actually spur more vegetation. So it could go either mm. way. But mm. uh, if, if a certain spot looks dramatically different from the surrounding areas, that's mm. what one thing to look for. Especially mushrooms. There are certain yeah. types of mushrooms that thrive like, off of the decomposition of we'll, bodies. We'll mention Flamin mushrooms Flamin' Hot in a minute. Cheeto ass morels <laughs> Ish. to throw back to a previous ad. <laughs> we'll mention <laughs> mushrooms in a minute. You're welcome. Um, the presence of weeds, also known as pioneer plants. <laughs> oh, I like, now I like them. Pioneer plants from now on. Uh, they grow really quickly, and so they indicate a fresh dig. If it's like just pioneer plants and no like oh, gra- okay. native grasses, for example. Okay. So always bury a body somewhere where people are resodding anyway. <laughs> uh, I, my recommendation is to bury a body on farmland that is regularly tilled because oh. there's no fucking way to know. Oh, smart. That's so, why you live in Iowa. Yep, that's why Clever I live in girl. Iowa. Okay, so the specifically the soil itself is disturbed. So the soil or clay or sand or dirt from the grave hole, depending on how deep it is, it often comes up when you're digging and mixes with the surface soil. So sometimes you can see a noticeable change in texture and color when compared to the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. Okay. Another thing to look for. And all of this, as always, is dependent on the environment. So, like I just said, it would be very difficult to identify a possible grave in a frequently tilled, in frequently tilled soil like farmland, as it would be in sand because the depression oh. that fill in of the soil might be obscured due to just the nature of sand. Interesting. There's a sand pit in uh, my housing complex. Oh my god! What just up? a pit. Because- just a, it's but not be like careful a children's play area. It's just a no, pit it of is. sand. No, no, no. It's a children's play area, but mostly my yeah. dog plays in it. And shits yeah. in, it. in it. <laughs> no, she's good. She Have does fun, it. children. <laughs> Find a treat. <laughs> Tootsie but rolls for in everyone. The same, in the same vein, <laughs> like... <laughs> The sand might obscure a grave, but also it's, like, volatile enough when it comes to erosion that it could easily expose the body as well. Yeah, sand always seems like a, like a bad idea. If you're trying to cover sand something. Sand is a gamble. It's a gamble. Yeah, it's a big risk. Mm-hmm. Um, so police can use cadaver dogs, which are most useful really soon after death due to the gases. That's what the dogs smell is the the release of gases. And that happens within like, you know, the first few days. Okay. So if you are interested in learning more about cadaver dogs, there's a really great podcast called Someone Knows Something. Yeah. Based mm-hmm. out of Canada. It's so good. It's so fucking amazing. Um, but each season they do like a different missing persons case or some sort of like mysterious, you know, someone's murdered and we don't know who did it and blah, blah, blah. So the first season is about a little boy who went missing and they bring cadaver dogs around this like area of a lake because he like went missing while he was camping with his family or something. 
And they go into a lot of detail about how cadaver dogs work and how they're trained. And, like, it's super, super fascinating fascinating. what these dogs can do. Mm -hmm. It makes me want to train Albus to be a cadaver (laughs) rabbit. I think there are landmine rabbits. Cadaver oh, no. bun. That's not okay. <laughs> I don't want that. You're a monster. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Like the rabbit in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Doesn't he blow up? The most ferocious sure. rabbit. <laughs> Amazing. He's anyway, gnashing with my... his teeth. <laughs> My anecdote about cadaver dogs that Kenyon ruined by talking about <laughs> Albus being a landmine rabbit. Uh, Carry if on. He's good at his job. He'll be fine. Oh I think all God. you have to do to be good at being a landmine rabbit is run through a minefield. <laughs> I don't think you need that much training. Yeah, I don't think they sniff them out. I think I they just detonate so them. Yeah. I th- no, I they think- do. They have rats that sniff them out, and then they, like, alert, but they're too lightweight <laughs> to set off the landmine. Oh, on it. sure. It'll okay. be its own episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> Please have landmine rabbits as its own episode. <laughs> I hate this plan, but I'm also on board. <laughs> Special Continue. guest, Albus Bumbledore. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Back to reality. Life. Back to there reality. goes gravity. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, police use cadaver dogs. They also use ground penetrating radar, infrared, and aerial <laughs> photography. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, police commonly use groundhogs <laughs> to burrow to, to, to find super hungry groundhogs <laughs> are quick to uncover the bodies yep love you it said, you said cadaver dogs and ground and I just my the brain just went there the cutest forensic team of all time groundhogs <laughs> and like cadaver dogs and rabbits all right I'll ferrets ferret teddy bear hamsters fur snakes <laughs> hermit crabs okay I'll stop. infrared and aerial photography electromagnetic radiation or metal detectors to find graves mm. perfect determine oh so it's really important to determine the pmi which is post-mortem interval which means Ooh. how long it's been since the person died Okay. PMI. I love that. I'm going to use that all the time. Sounds great. Way better than BMI. Or TMI. (laughs) BMI is the worst. Get the fuck out of here with that. Nobody cares. Yeah, as I drink more wine and eat more olive stuffed with feta, my BMI is excelling right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like golf. Golf rules, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so this is a quote from ForensicMag.com. Dot org sh- dot edu dot gov. Dot, yeah, dot com. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For shallow graves, forensic entomologists may be able to use insect succession and development to estimate PMI. So we've talked mm-hmm. about that before, like uh, if the bottle flies are still in the larva stage Larval, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Did um, we have a whole episode? Well, we talked about it a little bit, I feel like, in the botany episode, but we haven't done a bugs episode yet. Yeah, we oh, haven't okay. done bugs yet. Correct. Uh, Forensic 
forensic anthropologists can assist with estimating the PMI for longer internments based on rate of decay and condition of the remains. Mm-hmm. Investigators may also be familiar with the potential of using biological matter such as pollen as Ooh. a tool to estimate the season when a clandestine grave was created or DNA to identify plant fragments. We've definitely talked about that. God, I love yep. that. You can also use vegetation, the orientation of different vegetation to determine foul play. So, for example, Kenyon, oh. this is your mushrooms. Love Mushrooms it. grow on a fallen log in very specific patterns, like mm-hmm. in context of their surroundings. So if you came across a log that had a weird mushroom pattern on it, like if they were leaning a weird way, way. Mm-hmm. something like that, um, then you could conclude that the log was moved there to cover something. Oh, possibly to possibly. cover up a shallow ground. Um, <laughs> Ditto for using tree roots. Tree roots also have the rings in them. Oh. So let's say you have a skeleton, you find a skeleton in the ground, and there's a tree root go- growing up through the rib cage. Oh. You can, you can determine not only based on the, the, the condition of the skeleton, but on the rings in the tree root and, and like the probably the location, like how far that root has grown up through the skeleton to determine oh how God. long that body's been there. That is cool. That's freaking cool. Yeah. I did not find a case that involved that. No. (laughs) We need to do an entire episode on tree root forensics. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get so specific that we alienate all of our listeners. Yes. I'm down. (laughs) Aren't there only like 14 left? Yeah. We've been alienating since day one. All we the only red have Mini Cooper drivers have been like rioting in the streets for months. <laughs> Join three friends as they chug wine, alienate everybody around them. Yeah. And get yeah, not why cute I, drunk. This is why I have animals, because animals don't judge you. <laughs> Mine do. I have cats. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I said judging animals, me right not now. Cats. At least they don't okay. speak English, so I can't like take their harsh words to heart. Get a rabbit. Um, okay, so my last segment is is protocol of, like, exhuming a grave. Mm-hmm. So a forensic archaeologist would first set up a grid to accurately measure and record their findings, similar to my favorite episode, Blood Spatter. You got the yeah. grid, you got the strings, you got the tape measure, all that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. If they know that a grave is deep, so they might be able to know that based on their... Uh, whatever Kenyon was laughing hysterically about, the groundhog Groundhog technology. Groundhog Mm -hmm. technology, yeah. Then then they might bring in a backhoe or some kind of heavy equipment to dig, like, most of the way, because dirt's heavy and digging is hard, you guys. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I have two nieces who are into, like, digging holes now when we go to the beach, and let me tell you, no No. thanks. Nobody wants that. I have a bad back. Sit here and watch and read my book and pretend to be interested in your life. I just have no motivation. Your toddler life. You're four. What could you possibly have to say to me that I care about? I can barely garden. (laughs) We planted like five hostas last summer and I was wiped. Like I just gave up. I let the other ones die. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, 
Okay, so that they might start with a backhoe or something and then carefully shovel the rest of it away. And then once mm-hmm. the remains are reached, then they have very fine tools and brushes to examine and re- eventually remove the remains. Mm-hmm. Um, they will often put the remains in a body bag to transport and contain the odor and mm-hmm. avoid infectious disease and retain some if there's something like a bullet fragment inside the body. Then they want all of that stuff contained in a bag. So that's Mm -hmm. usually what they will put the remains in. Okay. A little cute little two-by-one box. That, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also read that when a city... Oh, well, the two-by-one box. Yeah, that's in my notes. I already got to that. Um, All of this excavation would be videotaped, and every single thing is measured and documented in context before and during the actual removal of the remains. And this is because you cannot ever hope to recreate the excavation of a grave later on. What's mm-hmm. where the soil was, what kinds of soil, the bugs, the plants, etc. It's all so important to the investigation. And they, it's almost and, like a fingerprint. Yeah, it's and unique. documenting like all of these things together are so unique that you really can't. You cannot recreate, recreate it. Twice. it. Yeah. Yeah. So. Even That's with shallow cool. graves, it is important if you were to stumble across, possibly literally stumble upon a shallow grave, don't hmm. fucking touch it. Do not touch yeah. it. Yeah. Call don't investigators right anything. away. Don't try yeah. to dig it up. Don't touch anything. Just call mm-hmm. 911. Mm-hmm. And then you might want to call Talkspace because you'll be traumatized. Yup. That's true. So Talkspace. <laughs> Ugh, the online therapy company that makes it easy, convenient, and affordable, affordable to match you up with a therapist who's licensed in your area. Yes. Yes. Suck also, on I'm, that. Retrieval. I'm, I'm pretty Recitation. sure. I'm pretty sure that that's not even their tagline. That we just it made is that their tagline. Parts it is of it. Now. We cannibalize their tagline. <laughs> You're whatever. Talkspace is an online therapy company. Basically, you're matched with a therapist. If you don't mm-hmm. like your match, you can change it at any time. But you're mm-hmm. matched with a therapist that's trained in whatever issues you want to focus on. Yep. Um, so if you have depression, anxiety, if you just want someone check, check, to... Check, check, check. Life coach. <laughs> yeah, just chat about you know your day-to-day life and issues that are going on with with you know family friends workplace whatever whatever level you're at there's somebody trained and specialized in help that you space mm-hmm. um, the services they offer are amazing and one of the things i've been getting more into and i know i mentioned it the last episode is the group rooms mm-hmm. yeah so they're, they're moderated so cool. by a therapist but then you can be connected with group groups of of talk space users that are going through similar situations for you so i'm part of a um it's a midlife crisis or like quarter life crisis <laughs> group. <laughs> so I'm like, left my career, my relationship ended, I started my own business, I started school full time. Am I insane? Nah, I things need, are changing. I need a lot Times, of people to bounce my changing. crazy off of. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Meanwhile, the groups are I'm like awesome. Creating a to do list that includes brush your teeth. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Anything you can mark off that to-do list to show you've accomplished something that day Mm -hmm. is worth putting on the to-do list. Yeah. I will add to my to-do list after I've accomplished something just to mark it off. And we recommend adding join Talkspace to your to-do list. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And if you use our promo code, what will happen, Kenyon? 
Okay. Uh, if you use the promo code GALS, uh, you can get $30 off your first month of Talkspace. Uh, and you can also really support the show. So Talkspace is one of our ongoing sponsors. And basically, if you sign up, it helps you and it super duper helps us. Um, so again, you can go to Talkspace.com forward slash GALS, G-A-L-S, and get $30 off your first month of affordable, convenient, easy, licensed, no appointment, no commute therapy. No pants, no bra. No pants, treat your brain mm-hmm. therapy. We all use it. We all love it. We're not lying. Get after it. Treat your brain. Treat your boobs. Train. Take off your bra. Treat your boobs. Yep. Treat your brain. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so... Somebody that super duper duper needed talk space. Your people always fucking need talk space. Um, Every you, single one. It's a true crime podcast. Of course they did. You don't they did. even know. Listen, this a lot of my level. murderers are soups even keeled and made the best decision for them in the moment. <laughs> and I'm not here to judge. Perfectly <laughs> rational. You don't know. This is like up with Anatoly Moskvin. This is how crazy <gasps> my case is. This is this week. your yes. new cocktail party like icebreaker? I don't think anything will beat the corpse dolls, but like I mean, for people that have already heard that story, this is my next story. Okay. <laughs> so for everyone in the world. <laughs> yeah. This is okay. Have you heard material. of Anatoly? Yes. Okay, but have yes. you heard of this? Okay, but <laughs> like I'm trying to get away from you. They're just slowly away. backing away. Okay, it's either that or I just like yell about science. Okay, so there's no way to know. There's no <laughs> proof of anything. What is even in the ocean? Sorry, no one knows. <laughs> no one knows. No one okay, knows. literally no one knows. All right, so case is bonkers, and the fact that the victim was buried in a shallow grave is, like, totally incidental, but I don't care because whatever. <laughs> so. Jesus <Yes>. Christ. <laughs> in I November 1958, 30-year-old Olga Kupchik Duncan disappeared. Of course. Of course, of course the, you got a name that time, no one can pronounce. <laughs> despite her name, this whole case takes place in the United States. Um, okay. So at the time of her disappearance, Olga was seven months pregnant with her first child. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Olga had married her husband, Frank, in secret not long before. But Frank's mother, Elizabeth Ann Duncan, more commonly known as Ma Duncan. No. Yes. No. no. Yep. What state was this in? California. Oh, God. Never accepted the union and did quite literally everything in her power to break the young couple apart. Not your choice. Yeah, she did. Yeah, just wait. We'll None get into your business, it. Ma. Okay. So, back off, little, Ma. Back, little background on Ma. Um, <laughs> Ma Duncan had had an, shall we say, interesting laugh. No. Oh, Jesus. Rode hard and um, put away what? Ooh, more like she rode the world hard and the Ooh. world got put away wet. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know which is worse. 
So, um, Ma had actually la- uh, lost track of the number of times she had been married. Um, oh. she, Go, girl. Her. She later admitted to 10 marriages, but qualified that statement by adding, quote, there might have been an 11th. I'm afraid to count the others. They didn't mean that much to me. <laughs> wow. Me trying to count how many relationships I've had. There might have been Um, 11. Me trying to count how many glasses of wine I've had. That too. Um, They didn't mean that much. (laughs) Some would allege that uh, the real figure was between 16 and 20 marriages. Get it. By by the age of 54. I love Ma. Um, Ma was a con artist who would trick men into marrying her by telling them she was due to inherit a fortune, but that the will stipulated that she must be married in order to collect the money. And you have to send me a check. Yeah, I'm a Nigerian princess princess. named Ma Duncan. Just wire me the change. Mm. Oh my God. Um, Yup. And then she'd offer to, like, give them a cut of the inheritance, you know, once they married her. But in actuality, the con would play out and either she would, like, get access to their money by being married and then, like, take off. Or um, she would maybe collect alimony from them after they divorced, even though, like, their marriage probably wasn't legal in the first place because she was married to, like, ten other people. Um, I just she feel like, don't hate the play or hate the game, you know? <laughs> she I was mean, doing what she did. At this she point was, in the story, Lucy and I are, like, fully on board with Ma Duncan. Yeah. I have Ma. a feeling this is going to take I'm a, a really fan. sharp left turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're both monsters. And, <laughs> we don't know. We don't have all the facts new. yet. Anyway, what else Ma, is new? She didn't kill any of them. So it wasn't like a life insurance thing with all the husbands. It was just like a regular con artist thing. Sure. Okay. okay. So Ma was also a little unclear about how many children she had had. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> 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 At first. They were just falling out of of her. I'm so on board with Ma. Hot dog down a hallway, (laughs) y'all. You have to wiggle to find the sights. To find the jiggle. (laughs) Two Um, weeks in a row that statement was applicable. I'm feeling really good about that record. Let me know when it's in. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. Life is too short. Life is too short. No, thank you. Okay. Um, so. She had a big V. I don't know. <laughs> okay. So at first, Ma said that she only had her son Frank and then a daughter named Patricia who had died at age 15. Okay. But then she later revealed that she'd actually had four other children, three daughters and another son, but like she didn't really care that much about them and no clue where they went. Oh, Lord Almighty. Okay. Okay. Did she raise them? Nope. Probably not. We don't know. Okay. Doesn't matter. Moving on. It was clear, though, clear, that her favorite 
was her son Frank. It's always, okay, it's always an unnecessary attachment to like the one son. Yeah. My mom can vouch for this. My mom is the oh, oldest of five. Her mother in law. All, all no, yeah. All <laughs> sisters and then one brother. Her brother is the golden child. And my dad was an only child and like the prodigal son. Yeah. With mm-hmm. moms are like always in love with their sons. It's amazing. Suzanne is gonna like experience some PTSD from this episode. <laughs> oh so no. Watch out. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, ma'am. So, indeed, Ma's love for her son, Frank, could only be classified as unnatural. Oh, no. Oh, I know this story. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Okay. There's a movie about it. Uh Uh-huh. It's a famous story. I actually didn't know all the details until I researched it, but it's famous. I do not know this story, so don't ruin it for me. Uh... Buckle up, girlfriend. I can't wait. Okay. Frank, despite being a successful lawyer, so he wasn't like just like a psycho type of like, you know, staying at home with his mommy all day. Like he had a career and he was like good at it. Yeah. Um, But he had only ever lived at home with Ma. Mm. And keep in mind, he's like 29, 30 years old at the time of this case. Yeah, so he should have had some experiences outside of his house at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Poor Frank. And oh. there is ample evidence to suggest that the two were engaged in an ongoing incestuous relationship. Attention and dilapidated titties. Um, <laughs> attending. Dilapidities. Dilapidities. I mean, I can't really judge her for that because I, have we met? Have you seen? You've seen my breasts unsheathed. It's not pretty. Not Do your ears hang low? Do they Stress fucking does a wobble? number on the torso yeah. over not a long period of time. Should I include them in my waist measurement? Or? <laughs> I don't know where my waist ends and the bottom of my breast begins. Yeah. Define the widest part of my waist. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Anyway. Every male listener just turn this off. Okay. Both male they listeners. They used to be hot and now they're cross. They're boobs. Both. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Ma smothered Frank with love and attention, attending to his court cases. Um, So, when he would win a court case, she'd be, like, his number one fan. Um, And then she just kind of generally would surveil his every move. Mm. Okay? Eventually, Frank began to feel suffocated. And in 1957, he got into a heated argument with Ma attempting to assert his independence and even saying that he was going to move out. Oh, shit. Okay, shit got real. She didn't like that. As a result, 
In a dramatic act of manipulation, Ma Duncan took an overdose of sleeping pills. Oh no, oh no, okay. But she survived the suicide attempt, okay? okay. yeah. Frank then, of course, decided to stay home um, you know, never mind. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll, yeah. I'll stay. I love you. Manipulation. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But a young nurse was brought in to help Ma with her recovery. And the young nurse was a pretty 29 year old named Olga Kupchik. Oh no, did Frank fall in love? That backfired, Ma. While like Ma was convalescing, Frank and Olga fell in love. Knew it. I thought Frank was gay. Was nope. that not part of the story? No. Nope. No, he was fucking his mom. Well, he was all I mean, up in that puss. I feel uh, like... I'm just remembering the movie. I thought she was having sex with him more and that he was gay. Like, that's why she was having sex with him. I don't know. I did not read anything about him being gay. Okay. At all. Okay. It's all a spectrum anyway. Yeah. Like any mother worth her salt, however, Ma uh, immediately noticed the budding romance between her son and her nurse. Uh Uh-huh. And she would have none of it. Mm Mm-mm. She reportedly threatened Olga daily uh, to stay away from her son slash lover. Um, Her slover. Her, her slover. <laughs> gross. It's so gross. I hate it. I hate that I just said that. Oh, there, no. There's no, there's no evidence that Olga knew that they were fucking. Yeah. Like, Olga probably didn't know. Poor Olga. Or didn't admit it to yeah. herself. Um, so, Ma would tell Olga on the reg, quote, you'll never marry him, I'll kill you first. Good lord. Okay. Red flag. Yeah. Yeah. So, despite Ma's unbearable jealousy, the couple married in secret in June 1958. Oh, I love a secret wedding. Yeah. And a June wedding. A June bride. Always a bride. Fucking patriarchy. Okay. Nah, it's a heat wave. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Lucy learned that the hard way. Some are warmer than others. (laughs) June is busting out all over. Warmer. (laughs) Lucy's wedding was the seventh pit of hell. Yeah. (laughs) We were all soaked. Remember how I had... Great food, though. I I didn't wear a bra with that dress that I was wearing, or like Uh a really thin little bralette, but remember how many paper towels... I had had so much bounty. I had a roll of of paper towels like all over my body in various places. Yeah. (laughs) But you had airbrushed makeup and you looked flawless. Soup's glad I I sprung for the airbrush because that shit stayed on and my hair stayed perfect for 48 hours. Yeah, I did airbrush for my sister's wedding and we broke into a hotel pool and jumped into it and my makeup was still flawless. (laughs) Unbelievable. Airbrush all the way. Always go with the airbrush. Spring for the airbrush. Anyway, continue. Okay. So, they get married. Frank and Olga get married, but Olga continues to live in her nearby apartment, and Frank continues to live at home. Because it's a secret wedding. Secret marriage. it's a secret wedding. Yeah. And he's probably still shtupping his mother, but we don't know. So, I had so many course, emotions just then. <laughs> 
I'm happy for him, but also gross. I'm sick to my stomach. <laughs> it's all happening. It's all happening at, at once. Etc. Okay. Okay. So, of course, somehow Ma finds out about the secret marriage, and she Ma decides to take Ma always finds out. Yeah, Ma always finds out. Hello, Momar. Hello, yeah. my mom. Hi, hi, Mom. <laughs> and decides <laughs> to take things into her own hands. Oh, so, no. first, she approaches her friend Barbara Reed and offers her $1,500. Remember, this is 1958. So that's a lot of money. Um, if she would kill Olga, and she claimed that her daughter-in-law was a liar and actually pregnant by another man, not her son, Frank. Don't listen to her, Babs. Don't yeah. listen to her. <laughs> yeah. So, Babs immediately snitches and tells Frank what Ma was trying to get her to do. Good and girl. Frank is kind of like, okay. Meh. And like not, and not like terribly phased by this news. Okay, how yeah. you All right. mom? So, this is just how it is. Ma then approaches another woman telling her that Olga was blackmailing Frank and convincing this woman to break into Olga's apartment and snoop around. My good lord. Um, and so Get the a woman... day job, ma. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Golly. The woman does it. She breaks in. She's snooping around. But Olga is home. No. And the woman... Then recognizes Olga and was like, oh, my God, you're a nurse. You took care of my relative. I really like you. You're a good person. Oh, my God. This is so awkward. Whatever. Mm. Um, so then the woman leaves, and then she refuses to further help Ma. She's like, no, right. I don't believe you. Olga's a good person. Maybe do your research before you break into someone's apartment next time. At someone's behest. For yeah. God's sakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a suggestion. You know. Jesus. Okay. Then Ma hires a man to pretend to be her son Frank. Oh my while God. she herself impersonated Olga, and I guess it doesn't matter that she was 24 years her senior. Oh yeah. Um <laughs> and then together sex is they good went... for the skin. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh sex I... with your son. <laughs> I mean <laughs> same functions. So it's kind of like stem cells. Okay, I'll stop. All right. uh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. You guys. Uh, <laughs> okay. So together, Ma and this man, Ralph go before a judge and ask for an annulment to quote their marriage. Oh my God. And it's granted. Obviously it's, it's illegal because they were impersonating people, but like, yeah, but this is before the internet. So yeah. it's really hard to fucking confirm all this shit that they're claiming. Yep. God okay. damn it. So, it's difficult to know or to say whether Frank and Olga ever found out about this weird annulment nonsense because not long after, Olga went missing. Oh, no. So, no, uh, Ma. The, no, Ma, no. Ma, no. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> the bizarre annulment stunt led investigators on Olga's missing persons case to look into Ma because they were like, what? This is, yeah. Though? Okay. Mm. Um, so, 
Ma quickly admits under questioning that she had planned to kidnap her son, Frank, saying, quote, Frankie had just lost his mind over Olga. So I called my sister in Los Angeles and I told her to rent an apartment for me. I was going to tie him up and take him (gasps) down there to try to talk some sense into him. Oh my good lord. I didn't want to lose Frankie. I couldn't stand life alone and I knew it. Oh Jesus. Yeah okay. So so like a misery situation with her own son. Like hard. But... Ma denied having anything to do with Olga's disappearance. Okay. One month later, Olga's remains were found buried in a shallow grave. Oh, Ah! my God. It all circles back. (laughs) We've made the connection. Continue with the story. (laughs) Phew. Yeah, the end. Um, In the mountains near Ojai, don't know how to pronounce that. Ojai. In... Oh, hi. There we oh, go. Oh, hi. Oh, hi. In uh, Ventura County, California. I've only ever spent 24 hours in California. I know nothing about that place. Okay. Um, two men, Augustine slash Gus Baldonado and Luis Moya, confessed to police uh, to kidnapping Olga and murdering her, and then they led police to Olga's grave. Okay. Mm-hmm. They testified that Ma Duncan had visited a cafe in the area sniffing around for hired hitmen. Oh, oh Lord. She claimed that her son was being blackmailed by a woman and offered to pay $6,000 to whomever could take care of it. Oh my God, do it yourself, bitch. Yeah. Right. So, $3,000 up front and $3,000 upon completion. Mm-hmm. Total or each? Total. Total. I think total. It was 1958. Yeah. Three grand's not nothing to shake a stick at, so. No, right. not not by today's standards, but, you know. I mean, yeah. I would commit murder for three grand right I now. I probably, probably would, too. But back in the day, that <laughs> yeah. was a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> so, Gus and Luis were petty criminals and drug users, and they'd been in and out of jail, and so they agreed to the hit, and they began plotting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, on November 17th, 1958, Gus and Luis, with some money, although far short of the three grand they were promised, and some people say just $175, not $3,000. Oh, my Are God. you shitting me? That's the <laughs> worst thing she's done so far, honestly. <laughs> this is to cheat her hit men. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. frankly. <laughs> um. And also some, quote, equipment provided by Ma, meaning, like, gloves. Sure. Um, Robes. They rented a car, and they drove to Olga's apartment. They knocked on the door, and they told her Frank was drunk in their parked car, and she agreed to come down and help get Frank upstairs and into the apartment. And she may have fallen for the ruse because she hadn't seen her husband in 11 days, and she was just, like... Desperate to see him and hear from him. Yeah. Oh, honey. Yeah. Of course, Frank was not waiting in the car, and instead the two men pistol I'm drunk. Pistol whipped. (laughs) Pistol whip is nice though. (laughs) Pistol. Pistol 
also flipped Olga and oh. shoved, her, <laughs> shoved her in the back seat, and then they drove off. Ugh. And then when Olga kind of came to, she began to fight and struggle, and so they hit her again with the pistol, um, knocking her unconscious. But they also damaged the weapon, so the gun would no longer fire. Okay, well, that's good, I guess. To not have the gun fire. No, right? now I bet they beat her to death. No. Mm. Mm. So, being unable to shoot Olga, Gus and Luis instead, quote, took turns strangling her. No. Yeah. Remember, Christ. she is seven months pregnant, almost oh eight months God. pregnant. I totally forgot about that shit. Yeah. yeah. And when they Ugh. could no longer feel a pulse, uh, they buried her in a shallow grave, which they actually dug by hand because they forgot to bring shovels. Crack team. Maybe they were only worth 175. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Pretty much. Jesus. If you're gonna hire Hitman, at least shell out. Um, yeah. yeah. Get a quality one. <clears throat> okay, this is the saddest part of the whole story. Okay, oh, no. all right. Bracing myself. Line. So later, dirt would be found in Olga's lungs, indicating mm. that she actually <gasps> oh, had fuck's sake suffocated after being buried alive. Oh my! That's like one of my biggest fears is being buried yeah. alive. But her hands had been taped together, so she couldn't escape, and also she may have just been unconscious the entire time, like not Let's, dead, but like unconscious yeah, and unaware. Let's hope so, for that. I honestly hope they pistol thistle whipped her hard enough where she didn't wake back up. Yeah. That's that's what I think. There was that's, no That's best case scenario. Yeah. I didn't read anything about like her her like obviously like her trying to get out or you know, there wasn't any like claw marks or right. anything. So But well, if she, she was, was taped, bound. Yeah. Yeah. She could Was she anyway. in a container? Was she in like plastic no. or was it just her in her clothes? It was just it was just her in dirt. At the bottom of a, there was like a ravine and like a shallow grave. Poor thing. You guys have heard of coffin births before, right? Yes. yes. That shit's I think boring. that is so interesting. Like Own it, episode. Yeah. yeah. Own yeah. episode. For sure. Own episode. Okay, almost done. So, meanwhile, Frank had grown suspicious of Olga's disappearance, and he alerted police to the possible involvement of his mother. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't take long for the whole ball of yarn to unravel. So, the police interview Ma. She's obviously insane. They get the confessions really quickly from these two guys. I don't know how the police found out about Gus and Luis, but they did. Mm-hmm. And, and they confessed instantly and then led them to the grave. Okay. Um, so... The trial causes a sensation in the press. Oh, it's Lord. like front page news. The prosecution trots out seven of Ma's husbands. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that she had a thousand husbands. Amazing. Which is like technically not even one third of, of her all husbands. the husbands. <laughs> yes. Are they all like, oh, hey, Bill. Hey, Charlie. Hey, Frank. They all know hey. each other. <laughs> Um, at one point, Half she allegedly... Half of them are gay, for sure. 
<laughs> At one point, she allegedly pointed to one man and whispered to her defense counsel, quote, that one, he was the best. Oh, my God. Ew. It wasn't her Yuck. son, was it? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> okay. okay. I have mouth puked so many times during this story. <laughs> What's you said not a mouth puke? I mean, fair okay. enough. Shut up. <laughs> so, there was a preponderance of evidence and witnesses, also multiple confessions from Gus and Luis, not to mention Ma's less than convincing uh, turn on the witness stand. Yeah. It's, she's done for. Yeah, okay. she's over. The jury took less than five hours to convict Ma Duncan of first-degree murder and I'm sentenced surprised her it took to that death. Long. Well, only probably because it was a death penalty case and, like, very few women had ever been sentenced to death. That's true. I didn't realize that. For sure. Yeah. Death penalty case. So that makes sense. But still only five hours with a a female death penalty case. Yeah. You're toast, literally. Bizarre twist. Uh Uh-oh. Ready for the bizarre twist? Shyamalan me. Okay. My body is ready. uh, Take me away, cowboy. Okay. You might think that after your deranged, con artist, incest-loving mother hires two hitmen to murder your young pregnant wife. Shut the fuck up. And you're the person who alerts police that your mother might be the killer. No, 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 no. You'd no. think that you'd want nothing more to do with her. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Did he bail but her out? Frank was a real mama's boy, oh, and he no. had a change of heart <clears throat> defending his mother at trial. Oh, my God. And also, as a lawyer himself, acting as her defense attorney throughout the appeals process. No. Stop it. Yep. No. No. Uh Uh-uh. I'm done. The story's Uh -uh. over. We're finished. No. He's dead to me. (laughs) Yeah. Get out of here, Frank. Frank. Fucking weirdo. (laughs) I mean, granted, he's also, like, clearly a victim of abuse over his entire lifetime. For sure. So but I like, can give him like. You don't deserve Olga. No. Though. I no. Olga was a sad, unfortunate, you know, victim she was in this just situation. A pretty I, young nurse. I yeah. don't think that this is the same story that I was thinking of. Probably oh. not. Okay. Well, Frank's efforts failed, and uh, Ma's execution, as well as those of her two hired hitmen. Uh, were carried out in San Quentin in the gas chamber in August 1962. Wow. Uh, Ma Duncan was one of only four women to be executed in the state of California since 1893. Dang. And her son Frank was not present at her death because he was still fighting for a last-minute stay of execution. Oh, my goodness. I'm actually and surprised that the two hitmen got executed. They were um, Latino, and oh, it was 1958. That explains it. Mm, yeah. 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 Um, Ma's last words were reportedly, quote, where is Frank? No. 
No. The end. The end, bitches. That's my case. Good. I'm just dabbing over here. Lord. Yikes. 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 Well. How fucking crazy is that case? I mean, that case is the worst. Um, but also but the I, fact that the movie that I watched is not this case means but like right. similar. This isn't the only woman out there like right. this. That's terrifying. <laughs> Own episode. <sighs> Jesus. All right, you're up. I mean, okay. Well, first, before my case, I feel like mm-hmm. we need to get a we, word from our sponsors. We have some oh, sponsors. Yeah. If you. Have a photo of your mother that is I was more just precious gonna say. to you <laughs> than gold. Um, you might want to consider FrameBridge. Kenyon is right about this. Uh, we're going to tell you guys about an amazing new service that we found called FrameBridge. They make it super easy and affordable to custom frame your favorite things like that picture with your mother. Um, from art prints, posters, photos on your phone. It's super awesome, and here is how it works. Lucy, you want to go over how it works? Yeah. So you go to framebridge.com. You upload your photo from your computer or directly from your Instagram feed, which is super convenient because all Mm -hmm. my Instagrams are already filtered. They look amazing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Framebridge gets them and prints them for you. Mm -hmm. Or if you have a physical item, like ticket stubs, art prints, posters, et cetera, you name Mm -hmm. it, they will provide secure prepaid packaging so you can mail it in for free. So cool, so convenient. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can preview your item online in any frame style. You choose your favorite style or you get free recommendations from their talented designers. Yep. Mm -hmm. And all their styles are cute. Oh my God. They're they're so so adorable. The team of experts at Framebridge, Framebridge, I'm already drunk. (laughs) They will custom frame your item in days, not weeks or months. And they deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. I use it. Right after getting mm-hmm. back from my trip to California. You I got had yours, really, like, right away. I got it. I, I kid you not. I uploaded one of my pictures, one of my favorite pictures from Joshua Tree National Park to it and mm-hmm. picked my frame. And it was ready to go and sent to me within, like, three days of me uploading that photo. It was so fast. I was and shocked at how fast it was. For sure. Mm-hmm. And the best part, and personally for me, was instead of spending hundreds of dollars at a framing store, yeah. the cost to get this framed and sent to me was $39 and the shipping is free. It's so, it's so crazy. It's It's so so affordable. Um, So you should totally check it out and we are tacking on a little bonus promo code. So our listeners are going to get 15% off your first order at framebridge.com when you use the promo code GALS, G-A-L-S. And Framebridge has thousands of five-star reviews, and it also offers a happiness guarantee. So if for any reason you aren't 100, 1,000% satisfied with your order, they will make it right. If only relationships came with that guarantee. (laughs) A happiness guarantee. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Um, (laughs) Still better. It's fine. 
it's fresh. <laughs> I can personally attest to Framebridge. So actually, um, I've been using them for years, like since yeah. before we moved to South Africa. And like mm -hmm. looking around my home, literally every single wall has a piece framed by oh, Framebridge. It's so good. <laughs> It's so good. It's so affordable. Their styles are like perfect. They're well edited. Like you can go on there. It just makes it so simple and easy. And affordable. And as you guys And as you guys know, house remodeling in my world is coming to a close. So I'm like ready to get my shit on the walls. Mm -hmm. Yep. And yep. this is ideal for me. I am so yep. thrilled about this. Yep. It's kind of amazing how much you can save using Framebridge versus like going in person. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you want to get started uh, framing your photos or art today, just go to framebridge.com and use the promo code GALS, G-A-L-S, um, and you will save an additional 15% off your first order. So again, that is framebridge.com, promo code GALS, um, at checkout. So it's not a URL. You go to framebridge.com, and then while you're in the checkout process, you use the code GALS, um, and you get 15% off your first order. Mm -hmm, Woo! Mm -hmm. And now a word from our other sponsor. <laughs> HelloFresh is a meal kit delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers step-by-step -step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. Mm. There is something for everyone with HelloFresh's selection. So, you have three plans to choose from, classic, veggie, and family. Um, and with all of these plans, you can rediscover the excitement of cooking. Mm -hmm. um, you can also feel confident when cooking HelloFresh because the recipes are simple. Um, they are outlined. There are pictures. Yeah, uh, There are step-by-step -step instructions. If, like me, you're more of like a PB&J kind of gal. Yeah. Um, HelloFresh has got you. For sure. It's definitely made cooking a lot more fun, a lot easier, and a lot more convenient for me where I always kind of felt like cooking was a chore and this makes it feel like not a chore. All the ingredients mm -hmm. also come pre-measured. They're in little handy labeled meal kits. So you know which ingredients go with which recipe. So if you get a Super box easy. on your door and there's three different meals in there, they come in their own bag that's labeled. So you can't mix up what goes with what meal. Um, there are tons of benefits of subscribing. So you can keep enjoying HelloFresh week after week with getting delicious filling meals delivered right to your door every week for literally less than $10 per serving. And the shipping mm -hmm. is free people free and 99 each episode or episode each recipe comes with a wine pairing which <laughs> yeah, is straight up our alley uh-huh yep uh i my favorite meal i got the veggie selection with my sh first shipment and my mm. favorite dish was the mediterranean chickpea and couscous salad so i i made it once with the ingredients that they provided and it just taught me so many new ways of cooking, like roasting your vegetables first, mm -hmm. you know, rinsing your couscous and your roasting your chickpeas and whatever, and like all these different flavors and spices. I have made this dish at least a half a dozen times it's since so I got my HelloFresh thing. <laughs> add some chicken, add different spices, add different cheeses. It's abs. I love it. I yep. absolutely mm -hmm. love it. It's Amanda delicious. had it. I cooked it. Yeah. I cooked it for Amanda last time she came down. She crushed it. It's delicious. 
It was so good. So for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter the promo code GALS30, that's G-A-L-S-3-0 at checkout. So again, HelloFresh.com to get $30 off your first week. Enter promo code GALS30, G-A-L-S-3-0. Do it. It's amazing. Trio oh. gut. It's worth so it. good. <laughs> it's worth it. It's delicious. Trio gut. <laughs> All right. We're going to get back into the swing here. You ready? ready. Mm. So yep. ready. So uh, not nearly as crazy as Kenyon's case, but this is another kind of high profile case. And I know we normally don't do that, but this case just kind of got to me. So I wanted to cover it. Okay. Mm. Uh, this is the case of the McStay family who went missing in 2010. Ooh. Ooh, a whole shit. family? Yep, the I'm entire family of four. Joseph, his wife Summer, and their sons Gianni, four years old. And some places reference their three-year-old son as Giuseppe. Some reference him as Joseph Jr., so Giuseppe might have been his middle name. I think it's Giuseppe, and I think that's just the Italian form of Joseph. Well, either way, it's that's how it is. I'll be calling him go. Joseph Jr., because that was what was in most of the publications I saw. Okay. Um, They vanished without a trace of evidence left behind just a few months after they'd moved into a new house in a suburb of San Diego. Diego. (laughs) Wales vagina. Yes. The police, that's, it's not funny, but San Diego's funny. Um, The police were treating it as a missing persons case, obviously, because there were no bodies and no evidence of foul play. Here's what makes it all so much weirder than just a family going missing. So on February 29th, 2010, Joseph's father, Patrick, received an email from a business partner of Joseph saying that he hadn't heard from him. And this little anecdotes like that always kind of hit me hard because it was like a concerned phone call to my mother when my dad didn't show up to work, which was so out of the ordinary for him that my mom immediately was like, something is wrong and my dad had died. So if anyone is like calling me to be like, hey, I haven't heard from so-and-so in a while... That is going to automatically trigger, like, a really intense reaction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So the following day, so now we're at February 10th, 2010, Detective Troy DeGaulle from the San Diego County Sheriff's Department checked on the two-story home where the family lived. Again, he found no sign of foul play in the empty residence and only evidence of a family's everyday life. Paint Mm -hmm. cans in the kitchen that they were renovating, a carton of eggs still sitting out on the counter, and two small bowls of popcorn on the futon in the living room. Oh, I forgot about the popcorn. Mm-hmm. That's weird. That's Dugall really later devastating. Yeah. yeah. It was, he said, quote, it was like two kids were sitting there eating popcorn and then they were just gone. Ugh. Uh. The family's two beloved dogs, Bear and Digger, were left behind in the backyard and nearly $100,000 remained untouched in Joseph's bank accounts. Uh, he ran a successful decorative fountain business, which, like, ladies, what? we are in the wrong business. Hello? We need to break oh, into what? that fountain money. <laughs> we need to move That's to California. That's shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> made decorative hundreds of fountains? thousands of dollars. Well, if you live in California, you've got a lot of people who can have, like, fountains in their yard. There's and in droughts. Oh, my God. There this was 2010. Yeah. Fuck, okay. We can wait for the rain to return. You're getting married in Cape Town, so zip it. (laughs) She's bringing money to their infrastructure to contribute to the 
help of water. Oh, right. Day zero has been pushed back to at least six months after my wedding. Almost doesn't matter, but that's cool. We can shower (laughs) once a week. It's perfect. Um, So anyway, quote, it's just not like them to walk out on a business, walk out on money and walk out on a home, said Joseph's younger brother, Michael. It doesn't make sense said Lieutenant Dennis Brugo from the San Diego Sheriff's Office. When you have people drop out of society, it's usually for a reason. They're having money or family problems. You know, they've been threatened, yada, yada. In this case, it looks like they were planning for the future. Like, it doesn't make any sense for them to just disappear. Mm -hmm. So we're going to break down this bizarro situation. I found a great, uh, slightly detailed timeline of events leading up to their disappearance and directly after. So we're going to go back to January 28th, 2010. We're a couple months before, or a month or so before, not even a month before they disappeared because they disappeared February something. Um, Someone using the McStay's computer was searching for information about travel to Mexico and passports for children. So they're doing some research. Interesting. Okay. January 31st, the family celebrates the youngest son, Joseph Jr.'s third birthday. February 4th, Joseph McStay stopped answering his cell phone, according to his brother. Summer McStay last spoke with her sister. Summer and Joseph text each other around 5 p.m. So there's still activity. How old is Summer again? Uh, She's in her 40s. Joseph and Summer are married. They're both like 40 and 43, I think, subsequently. Okay. Yeah, it's the wife. Yep, Summer is the wife. And uh, Joseph Jr. and uh, uh, shit, what's his name? Gianni. Joseph. Oh. Are the are the son two sons two young sons four mm-hmm. and three years old, um, February fourth again twenty ten around seven forty seven p.m. Surveillance camera at a neighbor's home shows the family's Isuzu trooper trooper leaving the cul de sac, <laughs> but the camera doesn't show who is in the vehicle. So their car leaves their house in their neighborhood, but no one knows who's in it or who's, or who's driving it. Okay. Then at eight twenty eight p.m. A Fallbrook cell phone tower pings Joseph's phone. He makes a call to an employee in Rancho Cucamonga to talk about work. I love the names of places in California. <laughs> yeah, unreal. Particularly so Rancho Cucamonga. Cucamonga, yeah. It's Cucamonga. <laughs> All the names are so foreign to us Minnesota gals. It's unreal. They're so the Californians, in my opinion. <laughs> um, Exotic. Fe- February 8th, 2010, the family's Isuzu Trooper is towed from a parking lot near San Isidro, California. Security guards later tell investigators that it may have been parked there sometime between 5.30 and 7 p.m. a couple days prior. So it's like, it's been sitting there a couple days. The company is, tows mm-hmm. it. Is that far away from their home? I have no idea. Okay. I don't know it's anything about California geography. Well, this is in San Isidro. You just drive so. down the 305 the, the 101. and get to the... Yeah. <laughs> you both oh need to this stop. Is, I know. We are mocking this tragedy, but California's crazy. One bottle crying. in. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that was One February to go. February 10th, <laughs> San Diego County Sheriff's deputies conduct a welfare check on the home. That's when they see that there are no signs of foul play. Um, and they just kind of poke around and they notice that, like, everything is just as it was left perfectly. Uh-huh. February okay. 13th, Joseph's brother Mike crawls inside an open window searching for the family. Ooh, the, okay. Finds the family. Dogs had not been fed and food was left on the counter in the kitchen. Uh, oh. The 15th, 
family members finally report the entire family missing because I think you have to wait X amount of time, like X amount of hours before you can file the report. So they file it on the 15th. Was it just as an aside, what how, what was the legal perspective of him climbing through the window? Was that like a was that like the, it's basically a welfare check? Yeah. And I mean, the but it's also not there basically a breaking and entering. It is, but it's I think the brother, under, though. It's the brother, and it's under extenuating circumstances. The police were already involved; nothing was damaged, and the the family is not available to press charges. So I think yeah. in situations like that, where it's like this is an emergency, you sent a welfare check, I didn't hear back, or like you didn't give me any pertinent information, I am checking on my own brother. I it's sort of like a if you think it's like if you see a dog in a car with all the windows up, that's an emergency situation where you're legally allowed in most states to break the window of the vehicle to get the dog out. Okay. I, I would imagine saying, it if, falls if under... If the police did that, that wouldn't be good, though. Right? Mm, no, if, if the police are sent on a welfare check. check and no one Me. responds and they have... There's reason to believe that the family's in danger. I don't think so. That's why people... No, that's why dead people get mummified in their own homes for years. It's probably... Because no, the I don't cops... think the police check, though. I think if the police wanted to break down the door or break in a window to check, They're not going to be could. apprehended for it. I don't yeah. Think. They, just, I mean, who knows? they just don't. All right. Whatever. We're not lawyers. Yeah. We're definitely not. Yeah. It was a gray area. Moving yeah. on. Uh, so February 15th, they're reported missing. February 19th, homicide investigators again search the family home. They live on Avocado Vista Lane. I mean, come on, oh, California. Oh, presh. Um, and again, no sign of a struggle. February 22nd, uh, deputies make a statement. They say the disappearance has them completely baffled. They have no clue what's going on. February 23rd, detectives uh, include Interpol, to be on the lookout for the McStay family because they're drawing on the possibility that they could have been traveling in Mexico because of the what they okay. uncovered from the computer being used to look okay. up like a Mexico vacation for the family. Okay. February 25th, officials start distributing flyers. They ask Mexican authorities for a search of airports, bus stations, other major travel hubs. So they're getting this ball rolling. Things are kind of quiet until March 5th. When a video is released by deputies showing images of a group of people similar to the McStay family going hand in hand into Mexico through the pedestrian gate. The video is dated around 7 p.m. on February 8th. Okay. That's so it odd. shows them having going gone into Mexico in the days before they were reported missing. It's confirmed what? that it's them. It, all this says is a group of people similar to the McStay family going hand in hand into Mexico through the pedestrian gate. Because that's the day, that's February eighth. That's the day before. That's the day the before the colleague sent the email to the brother, yeah. being like, "Hey, I haven't heard from Joseph. What's going on?" Um, March eighteenth, twenty ten. Relatives allow media to tour the McStay family homes. They start getting the media involved. March thirtieth is when the FBI gets involved. So this is getting, like, bigger and bigger and bigger, and people are like, what the fuck? Yeah. Now it's May 13th, 2010. Seven investigators arrive in El Rosario, Mexico, after a tip from the staff of a local restaurant. The waiter accurately described a birthmark on Little Joe Jr.'s forehead. Aww. So they claim, we served this family, they're in Mexico. This must be what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, June 19th, 2010, the McStay family mystery is featured on America's Most Wanted. Mm -hmm. God bless. Um, yep. Then on <laughs> April 9th of 2013, so now everything is just like dormant. This is the last we saw 
anything going down was June 19th, 2010, when they were featured on America's Most Wanted. Now it's April of 2013. And uh, based on surveillance video captured at the border crossing, San Diego Sheriff's Department investigators announced that the McStay family left for Mexico voluntarily. So they are confirming that that had to have been them going into the country, that there was no sign that anyone was forcing them to go into the country, and they probably just left of their own accord and are now living in Mexico, which means... Not sketchy at all. At that all. a family just picks up and moves yep. to Mexico. All of yep. this is sketchy. All of it. Mm-hmm. All of it. But, of course, things like that, statements like that, can kind of put a halt to an investigation. Mm-hmm. So everyone's just like, well, they live in Mexico and they've abandoned their lives and nobody's really looking for them anymore. Until November 11th of 2013, when a motorcycle rider finds human remains in northern Victorville Desert in two shallow graves. And these graves were literally so shallow he noticed them because exposed human skulls were just, like, chilling. In California? Uh, I have to look up where this is. Hold on. Victorville Desert. Let me peek. I'll cut part of this, but yeah, it says California. I'm sorry, but that is hysterical. What? Me not knowing where it is. That he found no. human remains just chilling in the open. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. And this article I mean, that I just pulled up yeah. calls Victorville number nine on California's most dangerous cities list. But list, but who knows? Like, it's mm-hmm. probably you know statistically accurate but either way Mm -hmm. so they were found their bodies were discovered their remains were discovered in california in this like desert area um the grave sites were the main discussion in court detectives with the san bernardino county sheriff's department described in detail what they found describing the remains of four bodies 45 groups of bones including ribs and parts of legs from two adults and two children Investigators also found a three-pound hammer, like a small sledgehammer, that they believe was the murder weapon, and clothing, some of it marked with the same paint color that they had found in the in the kitchen of the family's house that they were using for Oh. So uh, like you know, remodeling, remodeling their house, yeah. The cause of death was uh, ruled as blunt force trauma to the head. So the, this whole family was beaten to death with this hammer. And there were at least four impacts to the skull of Joseph McStay Sr., and at least seven impacts to four-year-old Gianni. Oh, oh Jesus Christ. Yep. Why seven? My I God. Don't know. I don't know. And the skeletal remains of Joseph, the, the dad, were found with a cut-off extension cord wrapped around the neck, and the rest oh. of the body was wrapped in a white towel, all of it secured by a tie-down strap. Ugh. So it was, like, fucked up, this shit. But How none of their died. money was gone? No, like, well, oh, God. no. Money from his personal accounts were not gone, but we'll get to that. So now we're in the, like, well, who the fuck did this shit portion of the story. Mm-hmm. Evidence pointed to Charles Chase Merritt. Merritt was among the first to raise alert about the missing McStays, because remember that concerned phone call to, or email to Joseph's father? That was uh, Merritt. Yeah. Okay. okay. He's the okay. one who told the family he couldn't reach McStay and helped his brother search the house, apparently. And this is just the. I am the... so bad at getting back to people that, like, that would not even be admissible in court. If they yeah. were like, she hasn't texted back in seven days. But he didn't she show always up. Does that. Yeah, right? But that's her general demeanor. 
Yeah. Was it well, that he didn't show up or didn't email back? No, so Merritt and Joseph were business partners in this fountain thing. Yeah. And they work basically, like, from home. I don't know how much of an office they have, but Merritt was like, hey, I'm emailing you, Michael, who is Joseph's brother, because I haven't heard from Joseph in a while. We're business partners. Like, have you heard from him? Gotcha. And Michael was like, I mean, not really, but that's, you know, whatever. And that's, so it was this fucking sketchy business partner guy who alerted Joseph's brother via email that he hadn't heard from him and, like, started this all snowballed, you know, Mm -hmm. into Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. So although Merritt also denied that he did that he had ever driven the family's Isuzu Trooper. His DNA was found on the steering wheel and the gear shift. The oh. truck was found abandoned near the Mexican border, so that explains why the family might have been seen walking into Mexico. Because mm. uh, they didn't have their car. It was abandoned and towed from that like random business parking lot. Okay. So the judge who was set to evaluate the evidence and preside over the court decision of whether or not to, like, file charges and take this to trial also heard from an FBI agent who analyzed phone records and he found 27 calls between Merritt and Joseph on February 4th, which was the last day the family was seen alive. According that to the timeline, a lot of phone calls. Yep. Merritt called McStay five times the next day and then never again after that. Okay. And on that morning, the last morning that they got those, they saw those five calls Merritt's phone pinged off cell towers in the Victorville area where the graves were unearthed three years later. So a so, lot of cell phone sketchiness happening. Kind of putting him so, in the areas where they were seen. But if he's calling them five times in a row, mm-hmm. doesn't that kind of indicate that he didn't have anything to do with it? No. I don't know. I think that it indicates that the two adult men were into some weird shit and one of them panicked and killed the other one and his entire family. It's possible. Mm. We That's don't what really I know. read from it. But what we do know is that um, prosecutors unearthed a potential motive, which is money. It always fucking is. Mm. Always. Yep. Uh, several checks totaling $21,858 were written to Merit. On Mixday's business accounting software, they were written after the family disappeared, but were backdated to February 4th, 2010. Oh, not sketchy at all. And the checks Quick were printed. Quickbooks doesn't lie, people. No, it doesn't. Quickbooks <laughs> don't lie. And the checks lie. were printed and then deleted from the software, which again, oh, there's there's footprints God. of all of this, like digital footprints yeah. of all this happening. If you're doing so, anything with a computer, it's you're gonna not leave a trace. smarter than the computer. Yeah. You are not. Uh, they were, all these checks were deposited into an account that Merritt had set up on February 3rd, the day before the last day anyone saw this family alive. Um, Looking also, a little slow, suspicious. Slow your fucking roll. This goes for everybody who buys life insurance policies before they murder someone. Yeah, like, it's gonna look suspicious. Relax. <laughs> yeah. Minimum seven months. Yeah. Pacer. Yourself. Give it yeah. time establish a loving chill. relationship that you can yeah. then present in court. Let your alibi marinate. Like yeah. Tragic coincidence, not on, the people. next fucking day. No. Mm-hmm. Jesus. And of Get course, when together. confronted about the checks, Merritt offered either no explanation or gave like conflicting stories. 
He mm-hmm. spoke to the media about his like amazing relationship with the McStays and how he's innocent and they've no. been like friends for so long and Bitch other business is partners and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so prosecutors also cited an interview that Merritt gave to CNN before his arrest in which he said, I am definitely the last person Joseph McStay saw, which like, I guess why it's one of those, why that? would you say okay. that unless you were like trying to give. It's one of those things where it's like you say something that's so incriminating that why would you say something incriminating if you actually did it? It's like a tactic to make you look innocent. Yeah. What? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. Like an Fine. overcompensation sort of yes. a situation. That's what I mean. It's like, yeah. why would I say that I was the last one to see him if I killed him? Wouldn't that be giving me up? I can't be the one to have killed him. Like, that's what yeah. that feels why like Why would to I me. kill my two oldest friends whom I also host a podcast with? Right. Okay. I love <laughs> Why would I I'm do gonna that? I'm need a security detail in Nashville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so For real. If anyone so, wants to come forward. Anyone who's learned from the uh, serial podcast slash Ednan Syed case knows that nowadays, (laughs) serial, knows that nowadays um, cell phone tower pinging is like not the most accurate thing. A lot of that evidence can be considered circumstantial, but the judge did find that with the inclusion of the backdated checks and the DNA in the car, all of it was enough evidence to hold Merritt and charge him and take him to trial. So um, he has, uh, he's in trial now, I guess. He was charged with first degree murder. The trial began in November of 2017 and it's still ongoing. So Mm -hmm. we don't know what's going on yet because these things can take for fucking ever, but it's happening. And, you know, Mm. there's the cell phone pings. There apparently were tire tracks consistent with uh, his Chevy pickup to support, like, his involvement in the crime. Like there's a lot of shit that looks like he's super guilty. So we'll have to yeah. stay tuned and see what happened, but fuck you I, merit. Yeah. And there's no, but there are no other potential suspects uh, suspects. There's no one else. It's just him. Mm-hmm. And then all of this sketchy shit on the timeline, like, sorry, mm-hmm. motherfucker, you fucking did it. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. my story. Poor oh, God. That case is so sad because of the popcorn detail. Oh my God. The, the popcorn saddest. really killed it. I know. Yeah. I'm sorry, you guys. All right. Well, Special that thanks. was amazing. And mm-hmm. something about a shallow grave was in there, I yep. assume. I talked and... about a shallow grave <laughs> for two <laughs> seconds discovered in a shallow grave they were the skulls were poking about out. a shallow grave and they're like dirt analysis yeah. and so i'm yeah, gently reminding kenyan yeah. <laughs> <laughs> moving on but right before we get to special thanks this week i just want to remind everybody that there's a new thing that we're doing called drunk dives and Woo! so once a month we are going to record a mini episode uh where we are especially wasted. So oh, usually yeah. uh, it will like, be recorded immediately following a regular episode where we can't it's a mess. Then I block <laughs> off the following morning. 
to accommodate these drunk dives, not to be confused with drunk drives, which I may have said in the past. No drunk driving. No No driving, just diving. diving. Only diving. Just diving. Also, I never even remember Amanda's normal segment, so then when we record a whole episode after that, it's real messy, y'all. It is hearing it for the first time when I edit it. It is hearing it for the first time. The the first drunk dive was something about, like, Klingon swords. Oh, you know it. I got nothing. And I asked Amanda the next day, like, what the fuck her story was about. She's like, Klingons. I was like, wow. You guys, we drunkenly spent a solid (laughs) 10 minutes just typing things into a Klingon translator, trying to say them and laughing at ourselves. That's how drunk this shit was. So... These so are available to Patreon also, donors of every level. So get on Patreon here. to get a piece Also of how drunk this gets. I was telling Kenyon earlier that the first, <laughs> after the Klingon episode, I remembered l- like later that I had, that it was like sunset at the time we concluded and I decided to just seize the moment and go for a walk <laughs> around my neighborhood. <laughs> I was being healthy, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burning off the thousand calories of that wine bottle. Didn't really recollect till the next morning if that gives yeah. you an idea of how shit face we get. So if that's your jam, then you should get probably check out that. Patreon and our drunk times. So Love Patreon it. donors at any level, $1 a month and up have yes. full access to all of our Patreon-only content, mm-hmm. and that will include these monthly drunk dives. Yeah, and we're really trying to, we're trying to beef up our Patreon content, so, yeah. like... It's only gonna if, get better, guys. It's only gonna get better. This Jump is a good time train. to join. This is a yeah. real good time to join. Yep. All right, Any let's amount. do this. Spiritual thanks. Who all right, somebody start? take it away. I'll go first. Okay. Rob Nash. Rob Ooh. Nash. Five dollars a month would like to shout out his his or her lovely wife Jessica Nash and wish her a happy birthday. Aww. And Jessica's actual birthday is March twenty sixth, so that will be a little bit past when this episode airs. But happy belated happy birthday. birthday to you, Jessica! Thank you Love so you. much to your fiance yeah. for their generous donation and happy, wife. happy, happy birthday. Married people. Yes, married. I think husband. I oh, think fiance. husband Rob. Sorry. Went Sig- above significant and other. beyond to, I like to secure this shout out. Jessica's so just, spouse. You know, give him or her, I think him, extra loving tonight, so Jessica Nash. Yeah. Oh, spread them, girl. <laughs> Amanda, anyway, Liz Farquhar, we also <laughs> appreciate you and your $5 a month donation. Thank you so much. Yes. Lord Farquhar. Uh, Lord Farquhar from Shrek. (laughs) Uh, Thank you, Callie Smith. I don't have anything funny about your name, but I really appreciate you. My dog's (laughs) name is Callie. Oh, that's that's funny. Two cuties. (laughs) Give you ear scratches. Uh, Julia and Hannah of the Film Roast podcast are giving us a generous monthly donation. So thank you to both of you. And check out the Film Roast podcast while you're They're one of our pod friends. Yeah, Yeah, we're pod pals. Uh, Kelsey Fox, you're a total fox. Thanks for your $5 Mm -hmm. a month donation, you gal darn sweet pea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I hope this is not a typo, but Emily Hoffman. Ma'am. 
I'm gonna need you, ma'am. To, I'm gonna need ma'am. you to step aside. Step, step, can, can you, you just, for your, uh, ma'am, for your ma'am, can you just calm down, ma'am? Ma'am. Uh, <laughs> I can't, Emily Huff, I can't ma'am. hear you when you're being so hysterical, ma'am. <laughs> when your ovaries are in overdrive, ma'am. When all the blood uh, is rushing out of your brain. Let me know when you guys are done. Okay, okay. Emily Hoffman. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on to the next tier of $10 a month, you will be receiving a fucking patriarchy flexible wine glass. Woo! First on the docket is Alex Coleman. Goldman. Coleman. A la the birdcage. I fucking love your last name just so I can say Goldman Mm -hmm. to sound more South Beachian. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> also donating $10 a month and receiving a flexible pa- fucking patriarchy wine glass is Emily Segreto, and I originally read that as Sargento, and then I got really excited because Sargento is a cheese. Brand. Cheese. A brand that makes cheese. Yeah. Uh, you simply yep. segreet happiness and generosity. Yep. <laughs> um, also got really excited about Leslie Leno. Woo! Woo! Yeah. Leslie Leno... Um, I hope your chin is as prominent as, as Jay Jim Leno's. Leno's um, <laughs> you can have a picnic on that chin. <laughs> we love you. Thank you for your donation. Uh, fuck both of you for sicking me with this one. Nailed Good thing it. there's a pronunciation guide, which I actually encourage to all of our donors. If you have yeah. a kind of a weird last name please for the love of god send us a pronunciation if the consonants guide. outweigh the vowels we need a spelling <laughs> instruction because we're if drunk not, by the time um, we get here uh, johnson German or Jacobson. swedish descent yeah. we, don't we need a pronunciation guide because we are morons yeah <laughs> we don't know we don't know all right jenny shemian because woo, you woo. gave a pronunciation guide, but honestly, if you hadn't, I would pronounce your last name as Krizemian. Krizemian. <laughs> but you're Jenny Shemian. You are donating yeah. $10 a month, and she says, I have a really wacky, awful last name, and before you do the <laughs> shout-out, I thought I'd be nice and help you with it. Those three consonants <laughs> at the beginning are silent, which is totes ridic. You I are right, Jenny. So totes ridic. Love you. Thank you so much, Jenny. Chris, shut awesome. <laughs> uh, Becca McWilliams, you have increased your pledge from $2 to $10 a month, so now you'll be receiving a fucking patriarchy wine glass as well, and we cannot thank you enough for feeling like we're worthy of your monies, your hard-earned You're monies. McWonderful. You are soups, <laughs> McWonderful. Thank you. And shout-out to Emily Jane Foote. Foot. You sound like a character from The Help. Yeah. And we love you. <laughs> and also, I'm pretty sure you need to send us your social media shout out. Yeah. Um, and thank you for increasing your pledge from $10 a month to $15 a month. A month. A month. A month. <laughs> Which... We're so drunk. <laughs> what is happening? It gets you a random piece of trash from Lucy's house. And actually, Emily Jane, I sent your trash last week so you should be getting some like old receipts in the mail pretty soon also i love the trash people from australia who are registering for the trash queen i'm trying to make it worth the 25 dollars shipping charge you're gonna get half a q-tip yeah if you're yeah i'm not gonna discourage you but you're gonna get something real lightweight 
I'll leave it at Lottery that. Lottery tickets only redeemable in the United States. <laughs> Dominique <laughs> also earns a trash queen place. Yep. Mm-hmm. Dominique. I may Dominique have sent yours already. It may be an animatronic fur covered item. Oh my God. <laughs> It's a robot cat. She might have been the Furby recipient. (gasps) She was the Furby? Someone was the Furby. I don't remember. I'm so sorry. You're all going to trash. Someone tweeted about it of your trash queen. Yeah, The Furby person tweeted about it. I just don't remember who it was. Oh, damn it. I didn't see it. But it it. was tweeted. Okay. We love when you you social media share your trash queen stuff. Yes. Like, holy shit, it's so funny. Dominique, you're a queen. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoy your trash. We love you. Yep. Thank you. Uh, Shayna Nicole Rains, you yes. are giving $25 a month, Holy which means fuck. you get to pick an upcoming wine and or topic and or case and or all three. You're so generous and amazing. We can't wait to hear what you come up with, and we can't wait to work on your episode. Love this and so much. Big shout out to definitely the person with the coolest name yeah. you've ever had. Um, Alicia Spotted Bear. Gorgeous. You're amazing. Yep. Thank you for your once-off donation. Mwah. And another once-off donation, Alex Vicio. Woo-woo. Marie I, Stewart. Yeah, I'm not fast enough to think of something. Thanks, nope. Alex Vicio. <laughs> Marie Stewart, no relation to Kristen Stewart. Maybe a relation to Kristen Stewart. Thank you Probably. for your once-off donation. Uh, God bless. <laughs> and... And Helica Duran, mm-hmm. definitely related to Angelica Houston. Obviously. Obviously. Thank you for your once-off donation. That will really help us at CrimeCon. Thank you. And lastly, Lauren Miller High Life. Hi, Lauren. $50 once-off donation. She says, kill it at CrimeCon. We will, oh, we girlfriend. Will. Thank you so much Mwah. for your donation. It's going to buy so many mozzarella sticks. I can't wait. Oh, my God. I'm going to get so drunk and full of cheese on your dime, girlfriend. Oh, I'll FaceTime you. You are responsible single-handedly for my constipation the weekend of my time. Thank you so much. I will FaceTime we make a good Lucy pair. trying to poop and Kenyon trying we bal- to stop pooping. We complement yep. each other. It's perfect. And, of course, special thanks to our sponsor, which I hope is not listening, Talkspace. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're frustrated off. with how long it takes you to poop. <laughs> If you're suffering from a gluten allergy and an autoimmune disorder and also yeah. chronic low back pain, yeah. you might need talk space. You might. Um, for $30 off your first month, go to talkspace.com forward slash gals. That's all we got for you. We love we you. Love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have wine recommendations or creepy true crime stories to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your podcasts. More importantly, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It really is the best way to spread the word. We are a totally independent show, so if you'd like to support us and get a shout-out on air, 
Visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Welcome to Dig, a history podcast. Hey, Wine Coven. This is Marissa from Dig History Podcast. And I just wanted to let you all know that we do four episode series and we have one series on true crime, historical true crimes. And we also have one series on Law and Order that you all might be interested in. We are four women historians and this is a feminist history podcast. We all have history PhDs and we also don't take ourselves too seriously. So we're still fun to listen to. Head on over and listen to Dig, a history podcast.